0: And she said she wrote Hunt the Stars in the early days of the pandemic. And I filled it with everything I was dearly missing. Found family, hope, kindness, and joy.
1: episode of All Books, Shirley Mystical Library's podcast, where we talk to you about books we'd like to recommend.
2: And Lisa and Cherie are joining us today to talk about a book called Hunt the Stars. How about you guys tell us how you decided to read it, you know, basically at the same time? It was all Cherie's fault. It mm-hmm. was my fault. I saw the book come in the back door
3: nice and and fresh and clean, and I said, ooh, I read three other books by this person. And then I saw, ooh, the cover quote is from Alona Andrews. I know someone who loves Alona Andrews. Hey,
0: Lisa, want to read this? <laughs> yes, and Cherie has never steered me wrong, especially when it comes to any kind of romance. So I was in. So, I didn't know that you read romance, Lisa. And I've worked with
2: you for how long? Was this a buddy read, like your first buddy read? Yeah. Oh,
0: well, we read other books, but just not at the same not at time. The same not time, in so. tandem. And right. interestingly enough, Cherie read... And I listened. Oh, okay. So yeah. that'll be fun to discuss. Specifically,
3: I read the ebook, Lisa listened to the audiobook, and then we checked out the print book so we could cross reference some things.
0: <laughs> so you could and before I forget, let me just say some things. This was my first experience listening to a romance kind of a steamy romance It on audio, and it was a little bit uncomfortable, especially like the last day I was trying to hurry up and listen and I'm sitting six feet away from Mary and just, I can't even make eye contact. That's funny. And so, you're just like, oh no, oh no. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I always felt like there was something about hearing it that just makes it that much more...
1: Just having someone whispering it in your ear and you're like, no. <laughs> and I,
2: I read a lot of stuff with lots of expletives, and it just feels a lot more threatening when you're hearing that via audiobook. Yeah.
3: <laughs> that That's for me true as well. There's a difference between what I can read on what I need to read on paper, what I can read on paper or digital, and what I can listen to. If it's anything that I might want to skim or cringe or get away from a little bit in my head or not feel like I'm right in the middle of it, I can't listen to it. So the, my biggest listening regret was a book that had a lot of medical descriptions in it of fistulas. I, I don't remember the, the title, but it was a big fat book that I didn't think I would get through reading. So I was cringing, driving home from work going, I wish I could fast forward better. All of which to say, romance is something I can't listen to because it feels voyeuristic to me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> did yeah. we did we say the name of the book? And yeah, the I author? did. I did. But I didn't say the author. Okay. So go ahead and tell us who the author is. By Jesse Mahalik. Okay, good. Because you mentioned that you've read other things by them.
3: Yes, Jessie Mahalik has two other trilogies before this book. I haven't read her first trilogy and don't remember the titles. The second trilogy was the Consortium Rebellion, Polaris Rising, and its sequels, which our library does not have. But I had bought them as eBooks. I think they came across as a deal of the day one time, and I got hooked. So I I knew that I had had positive reading experiences with Jesse Mihalik, she tends to write at least the ones I've read that are a mix of, of space opera, so action and space, and romance. And I like both of those things individually, and sometimes I like them when they mix. And
0: Sheree found out that Jesse Mahalik was a computer programmer in a former life. And I did some Googling, and she has a great quote about it. She says, I enjoyed writing. People are surprised to learn I find coding and writing similar. Both involve creating something out of nothing and then debugging, editing until you're happy with the result. So it sort of it reminds me of that sculpture quote, that you just keep getting rid of the stuff until the art emerges. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that Sheree and I share is a love of Firefly and Serenity. Mm. And that's one of the things we noticed right off the bat, the, the whole idea of found family. It's very character-driven, which is my favorite thing. And I'll try to be careful about spoilers, but, you know, I never care about the plot. So um, we, can <laughs> cut, we can cut out spoilers. But then I read a quote from Jessie Mahalik and she said she wrote Hunt the Stars in the early days of the pandemic and i filled it with everything i was dearly missing found family hope kindness and joy if you're having a rough day tavi who's the captain of the ship tavi would absolutely give you a hug and a hot meal no questions asked so i read that after reading the book and that explains a lot there was a lot of
3: communal str- eating and cooking and care and 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 love yeah. that sounds very wholesome honestly yeah and and, and sexy consent <laughs> <laughs> lot of, a lot of sexy consent. We love consent. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But as far as the... Is this a trilogy as
1: well? Going to be a trilogy, I guess, I It's going to be
3: at least a duology. The second book should come out this summer.
1: Okay. And how did you feel about the world-building space opera e side of the story?
3: You're dropped into the middle of it. Again, this reminded me of Firefly, especially the way Firefly was first released on TV out of sequence. So you're dropped into the middle of the universe,
0: and you figure it out as you go along.
3: Mm-hmm. So
0: to me... The 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 uh, humans are bounty hunters, and everybody sh- shares a military history. So there's that kind of interesting thing, and then there's this. Other race that sort of broke off from humanity thousands or millions of years ago. I can't remember what they're called. The but thank you. And so they're, but they're very similar to humans, but they're just different enough to make it really sexy. Yeah. <laughs> so <go>. everybody <laughs> pairs up. I hope that isn't a spoiler. You, you'll figure that out soon enough. It's a romance novel. About and Spain. its a, yes. yeah, you assume. And standard, of course, sci-fi. in the trilogy, was, she's already announced that that book two is going to come out this July, and it will be Key, who is like the, the Keeley the, part from Firefly. Yeah. The Keely energy but but really computer sciencey. And like, then the grumpy weapons expert Varro. Who is you know the other team, and then I hope book three is going to be Lexi and that other guy. I can't remember his name. Yeah, that other, <laughs> that's going to that, be that really great. Comes
2: along later, yeah. but mm-hmm. yeah. So, how about you tell us about the featured couple in this book?
3: So, your protagonist is Tavi. She is the captain of the Starlight Shadow. I think yes, so. Starlight Shadow. The Starlight Shadow. She and her crew were the were a human squad together in the war that has recently ended. And the big deal is that she is the hero of some planet name that I've forgotten. And she's not real happy about that. But she and her crew are the surviving squad members from that mission. And they dropped their uh, their military enlistments on the spot and went off to go be bounty hunters. And then Torin Fletcher is the ex-general from the Volov side who was a big name in that war. And he his crew that he has with him were soldiers together with him in that war. So that's where I'm getting very brown coat versus alliance vibes yeah, except that everybody's not exactly human. So Tavi's crew is herself, Eli the weapons expert, Key the information specialist, and she hires Anya for, for fix it stuff, right in the first couple of chapters. And they they pick up Lexi, who's their quote unquote retrieval specialist, like thief vibes <laughs> from and Lexi had been on the squad with them previously. Torin's crew, he has oh gosh, Varro. Havel. Havel. And Kira. Kira, Kira is his second in command. And then the other guy whose name we don't remember, they pick him up on a different planet.
2: So this feels like you have to keep up with a whole bunch of unusual names, both for planets and for people. Does it get overwhelming?
0: No, I I, I kind of let it wash over me. <laughs> yes, you know, it does help that they're two different species or whatever they're called, because it was kind of obvious who was doing what
3: what was interesting to me and i thought about this because lisa listened to it there are points where there's the the Volus language is used and i thought to myself if you're an audiobook narrator how do you decide to spin an accent on an alien language mm-hmm. that and which if you're a writer which earth languages are you pulling from that to to get the the sound of that language in your head so Reading it on paper, I just sort of had to let that go a little bit, but but learning expressions in each other's languages was a very tiny plot point. And here's the other thing. The reason that Torin hires Tavi is that something has been stolen from him and he needs it. He needs to get it back. And it's something very, very, very important to him. And he offers just, I love the word heck tons lately, positive heck tons of money that could not only keep her crew afloat for months and months, it could get her ship completely repaired. It let her hire Anya. And there was a major completion bonus if they actually succeed in recovering the thing, so it was enough money that Tavi, who initially said, "Ha, no wonder no one's talking to you. No, go away," had to stop and think,
0: "Ooh." And I don't care about plot, as we've established. And there were, but there were a couple of them that the thing that they're looking for, the MacGuffin, as well as the reason that Tavi and her crew quit the thing in the. First place the whole military thing; those were really great twists. I enjoyed that. Also, that the Velofs are very stoic and quiet. You know, I also love a Regency romance, a slow burn, and mm-hmm. a very quiet protagonist. Like, I love it when the guy knows what's going on, which they sort of do because mm-hmm. they have
3: uh, the Voloffs have telepathy Thank you. and and other oh, psychic gifts telepath. that humans yes. that humans mostly don't. So the humans have been fighting these psychic telepath telekinetic. Very powerful people and, you know, somehow not completely getting overrun in the process. So, Oh, and we haven't talked about Luna. This is a, a major sticking point right at the beginning. During the war, Tavi rescued this cat fox. Yeah, cat this, fox. Th- this little <laughs> mammal. Exactly. From a vol of... Tavi has a cat <laughs> fox. Tavi has a tele... <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Immediately likable. Mm. Yeah.
3: Tavi has a telepathic cat fox. Mm. That I was kind of getting ship cat vibes, if anyone read david weber's honor harrington stuff that's a major plot point this is a her species is a Buru, I think. Burbu. And she's a very extremely protected species in Voluf space so the first time Torrin sees Luna, he almost kills Tavi on the spot because Valovs have permission to execute anyone who's one of Luna's species. It's like
1: going to visit someone's house and seeing a baby tiger and being like, you're a monster! What? You have a
3: tiger in your house! And I have the authority to kill you right now and so does anyone else, any of my people, at any time, no reason. So... Um,
0: but fortunately, since Varian has telepathy he, he was able to talk to Luna Luna and figure out what was going on. And so everybody was happy. I just imagine them
3: making eye contact and going, meow. Well, most of what Luna sends is pictures of an empty food bowl.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. So a cat. (laughs) And uh, Like, I immediately, before I even get into a book, I will go on Goodreads and read the reviews. And uh, there was one great reviewer who had the list of tropes that were Mm -hmm. uh, featured in this book. And this is totally new to me. The whole idea of a competence porn. Oh, yeah. Yes. I love it. I'm just going to read the definition for those of you out there who are like me. It's watching talented people plan, banter, and work together to solve problems. Not just characters being good at a thing, but specifically about using cleverness and hard work. It's an element of wish fulfillment as they rarely have to deal with real-life issues like infighting and dead-end ideas. And some of examples are like Ocean's Eleven, Star Trek The Next Generation, and I came up with Reacher. Like, I loved Reacher on Amazon because they were also smart and there was mm-hmm. a lot of banter back and forth. So competence porn... Love
1: yeah. it. Yeah. And I, and I get it as, as wish fulfillment because there are so many times in your life where things come up and you're not level headed planning. You're more scrambling to address them. Whereas people in in confidence porn books are just like, okay, we all sat together. We had a meeting. Yeah. We all brought our strengths to together table, like a puzzle, perfect. And now we have a strategy. Well, and you're exactly. like, wow.
3: And and here's how some of the tensions were handled in this. One of the tropes is quote unquote enemies to lovers. But in Regency, Vir- Regency romance, enemies <laughs> to lovers, it's like personal enemies or family. Family enemies that might have known each other or known their families for a long time. But in this space opera context, it's literally enemies on opposite side of the war you've never met before to lovers eventually. So it was a, a slightly different spin on enemies to lovers. And any other I'm fun trope? There were the way that they handled the tensions... We've mentioned that this was written during the pandemic. the let's pretend this is going to be listened to 20, 30 years from now. that's the, the COVID-19, 2021 20, pandemic, and that Tavi loves to cook and take care of her crew. So and in a very small spaceship environment when there's tension between parties, you got to work it out. And they actually do. They've a couple of times they talk it out over being bribed by their
0: favorite food. <laughs> and I think Jesse Mahalik must be a big fan of lasagna. Because that came up a lot, Paella sweets. They were always making cookies, cookies. <laughs> and th- wine. Like remember the the, d- yes, the dinner? Yes, there was a wine. Re- there was yeah. an absolutely so, yeah. L- cooking as a love language was <laughs> definitely a trope. And before I ever get back to the narration, Frankie Corzo was the narrator. She was the perfect blend of like tough and sweet. You know, w- mm-hmm. with the, with the character, she is the narrator to watch. I'm I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna look for her stuff too. Also, before I forget, you can go on Jesse Mahalik's site and take a quiz to determine. And what crew member uh-huh. you are. Uh, I was, of course, Captain Octavia Zerola, which makes me think that that's a little rigged. You probably just get the get the coolest I don't know. I'm going to uh, go take this set? right after this. The I did not know that was a one. thing. Yes. Lisa, you were holding out on me.
2: Yes. So I have a question. The Voloth is the name of the alien race, right? Pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Is there like a key physiological difference? Can you tell by looking at somebody whether or not they are? Yes. The, the Voloths
3: are, are slightly taller or more elongated, less curvy than humans. Okay. And the eyes, if you if they're not wearing their armor and you can see their eyes, their their eyes are very, like have streaks of different colors in them that get brighter when they're using their...
0: And they get all changing when they get turned on. It was very um. I do love when they're just like,
1: like, they're very different from humans. They're taller and hotter. <laughs>
3: Broader. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, this this is actually, eyes. like elves. This, this is just actually, like, Ooh. Jesse Mahalik does, you know, write this into the early plot that there was speculation on the part of the humans and the volups who only discovered each other in the last time. H- hundred or so years they're they've not known about each other very long that they might have had a common ancestor or spun off from each other at, at one mm-hmm. way or the other that's actually spelled out in the plot i suspect so that we don't get all creeped out by sexy times later i
1: think you underestimate the standards of, of <laughs> sci-fi romance readers, sci-fi romance
0: as, readers a sci-fi and, as a sci-fi romance reader <laughs> hey <laughs> and i may never get this opportunity to to say this so you can cut this part out but you know i I just want to say thank you to all the fiction writers out there, especially romance fiction. For me, all of us here have probably tried our hand at some kind of fiction writing, and it is so hard. And it's so easy for, for reviewers to sit around and either pick apart or tell what they liked and didn't yeah. like in a book. And it's just hard. And I appreciate every single fiction writer, genre, literary, whatever, because it, I, it sort of gives my brain a reboot. You know, I'm mm-hmm. living in this completely different world and seeing these different points of view. And so thank you. I, I especially. I
1: actually, like romance novels, for that reason, because I feel like they they give your brain a very good reboot. Like it's a, it's just a nice a nice bit of, of fluff and character and, and a, a little bit plot of an
3: emotional reboot and, too, and some some feelings, yeah, yes. and a reasonable expectation of a happy ending. Yeah. Is one reason why I read romance and lighter science fiction, and one reason why I'm really leery of approaching epic science fiction. Why I will probably never read George R. R. Martin, and why you know why I gravitate to those genres. I uh, yeah. I'm lazy in that I like that the, there's expectation of a happy ending, and I'm probably going to be happy. I spent time investing in these characters, reading their story. Also, you know the world sucks enough. I don't need the fiction world to suck too. <laughs> exactly.
2: So. What kind of romance reader would you recommend this book for?
3: I would recommend this both to sci-fi readers and to romance readers, specifically the sci-fi readers who like more adventure and space opera. And if you liked Firefly and the type of energy that that series had, I'm not going to say how old that series is now, It's probably close to 20 years old, then I think you would enjoy this. If you if you like your romance to be steamy, but a slow burn, too, you're going to like this. If you really like seeing that there's consent involved explicitly, then uh, that, that doesn't sound sexy, but it reads as sexy in this book. It's well done.
0: Also, and, and back to Katie, because we have similar tastes, the kind of person who— wants things more gritty and more realistic and not uplifting and happy is not going to enjoy this. So not, not me, that. basically. <laughs> yeah, okay, exactly. Yeah, I
3: mean, there's some there's some uncomfortable situations and there's some grit, but the overall tone is more positive than not. And there's, mm-hmm. if you like reading books where food actually happens and and that's uh, and, and characters occasionally want to take a bath. I mean, the, the, this or is- Or a shower. The shower,
0: shower scene <laughs> was really great. Couldn't make eye contact <laughs> with Mary for 30 minutes after, but it was great. <laughs>
1: And that doesn't happen much in romance novels you know? where like the the day-to-day things
2: are happening. Someone's talking about cooking a meal, and you're like Oh. It, well, it, it, that's what's funny to me. Like, anytime somebody has a sci-fi setting, I always wonder about the logistics. Like, yes. how are you getting your food? Is it this, like, me particle thing? I love, when they, about the,
1: thing, I love oh. when they tell me about the, the powder baths they have yeah. to take because they don't have water. They just get poofed with some powder. Like a, <laughs> like a, like a little, um, what are they called? The little tiny mammals that bathe in powder. Oh, a chinchilla. chinchilla, Like little chinchillas. They're just rolling around in their
3: powder bath. Well, <laughs> Let me spoil a little bit of this ship for you. Starlight Shadow has has an onboard garden and they grow fresh herbs and things there. That and they have sense. a giant walk-in cooler because it's sized for like a full crew and Toffee doesn't have a full crew. So there's plenty of room in the walk-in cooler for when they load up on perishables at their various station stops. They cook with actual food that we would recognize as earth people today
2: okay all right well that's all the questions that i can think of so thank you guys so much for joining us for a a duo review it's always nice when more than one person has read the same book so yeah because you find different things to talk about that you wouldn't normally think of when you're Mm. on your own and stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations bye